This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, do we like this movie? Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your in-person host, Javi. Yeah, and this is pretty cool because this is the second episode like in a very long time that we're actually recording together in person. And you might notice that the sound quality is much better than it was last time we were together. Yeah, we figured it out and we're able to fix all the issues we had last time. So hopefully this is... Uh, you know, the quality of audio is much better than it's been in our last uh, live episode. If you're listening to the show, you'll notice that uh, now we have ads running uh, through our show. And I think for that, we should we need to thank our audience. Because the fact that you guys are listening to the episode is what makes this a show like worth anybody even attempting to advertise on. So, And uh, so we're trying to expand. So if any of you want to be our interns... <laughs> We will not pay you in money. We will pay you in exposure <laughs> since we're big time podcasters now. Let's just exploit everyone yeah, besides man. ourselves. Now that I'm making podcast money, I can't wait to turn my back on everything I once believed in. <laughs> All right. Uh, and this week we're talking about Halloween 2, a uh, 1981 movie directed by uh, Rick Rosenthal. And Rick Rosenthal is somebody who, he's he's kind of like a journeyman director, but a lot of our audience, besides Halloween 2, might know him from Halloween Resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> he came back to fucking do Halloween Resurrection? And uh, he also did a movie in 1993 that basically spun off into a whole franchise, uh, Bad Boys, starring oh. Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Talk about the pedigree that man has. Those are two, those are like three movies that couldn't be like, like any more different. Yeah, it's a wild range. <laughs> Jeez. Alright, so much like what we did for Halloween Kills, this episode like revolves around a Halloween movie where we're really dealing with like the aftermath of the Michael Myers attack. Um, it's basically, th- this is the original version of that. Mm-hmm. And two weeks ago, we saw the rebooted version of that. Now, remember in that episode, you kind of made like a, like a, you know, we both talked about, oh, how cool would it be if we had a Halloween movie that took place like the same night and it revolved around the police department? This one kind of does that, and it kind of revolves around Laurie Strode. You can't see me, but I, in our <laughs> audio medium, but I am hardcore air quoting. Kind of does that. Um, but yeah, it's it's it's. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this because everyone knows coming into this that I have like a massive crush on this movie to the point where 
I own the collector's edition. Yes, put that up in our audio <laughs> format. Well, I'm showing it to you. I own the collector's edition of this Blu-ray that came out uh, on the Shout Factory release. As you and as he says that, he showed me, and there it is. And that's actually really cool cover art. I actually really do like the. Oh cover yeah, art it, it's funny because it's the same. So Shout Factory also did the Exorcist Three Blu-ray special edition <laughs> that I also own. So. It looks like it's becoming just a thing where, like, I own, like, obscure sequels of horror franchises. You and Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a reference to our Exorcist 3 episode. If you haven't checked it out, go and give that a listen. Once you're done with this one, of course. Alright, so this movie... I guess first thoughts? Or, well, no. Yeah. You want I mean, first what experience? Was, what is your first experience with Halloween 2? I think watching it with you. This is back when we were young lads in our, like, early to mid-twenties. <laughs> I think it was back when, yeah, it was a couple years ago. And I remember you just showed it to me and you're like, hey, do you want to watch Halloween? You made me watch Halloween. And I was like, actually, that was a pretty good movie. Then we made me watch Halloween 2 and I was like, that movie's better. I think that movie's better than the first one. And then I rewatch it for this episode, and I'm like, I mean, it's a movie. <laughs> and better is a strong word. Well, now you also have, like, the... I, you've seen... A like, lot more yeah. Halloween movies. I've ingested more content. Yes. And I can say that this is definitely a movie that exists. <laughs> well, this is also the sequel to our first episode ever. That's so it's true. like the first episode that we did of this show was us watching Halloween. So we do now like you know, we've seen these recently enough that I think you could judge better what you think about it. My experience with this movie was I initially saw it like in high school uh, mm -hmm. on AMC's Fear Fest one year, and I, for some reason, it was the it was one of the few Halloween sequels that I hadn't seen before, and I remember actually being pretty engrossed into it. And then the next year when it played again, I was like, you know what? I really like this movie, and it's been a thought that has followed me all the way like up until now to the point where. You know, even with Halloween Kills out, my hierarchy of Halloween movies is Halloween 1, <laughs> Halloween 2. Halloween 1 by Rob Zombie. Halloween no. Halloween <laughs> 2 by Rob Zombie. John Carpenter's Halloween, followed by 1981's Halloween 2, followed by Halloween Kills. That is my three top movies in the franchise. And if you're counting Halloween 3, I probably... Put Halloween three third, and I'll then probably Halloween, Halloween three first, because <laughs> Tom Atkins giving me bedroom eyes. <laughs> and we'll talk about that one next year, I promise. Yeah, or that might be a bonus episode. Oh wait, does that mean now that we're big time that we can charge for premium content? Yeah, I don't think we're quite there yet. <laughs> Do we open a Patreon where it's just my feet picks and <laughs> Halloween three? No, no, no. You're getting this confused with content people would actually want. Yeah, so people want my feet picks, <laughs> and they settle for Halloween 3. <laughs> um, okay, so it starts immediately after the first movie ends, except this time it like actually picks up before the first movie fully ends, and it retcons the scene of Michael falling uh, down the balcony, 
in the original, I think he falls like through like a back like like a back balcony. Yeah. Right. In this one, they like change the camera angle, and he very clearly flies out the window onto like greener grass yeah. than was ever seen in Halloween 1. There was like crabgrass and it looked like a very unkept lawn and it's like here it looks like it was painted nuclear green. <laughs> and that's the other thing too. It's like the transfer of this one because this was a studio movie and it was done by Universal Studios. Like it, it is like this is when the Halloween franchise becomes more big budget. And even though we have the same director of photography that we did in Halloween 1, and the guy who's going to end up doing, like, Jurassic Park and Back to the Future and, like, all these other, like, super famous movies, it still has, like, it both has the same style of the original, and it also has this, like, really sharp, slick kind of Hollywood uh, style to it now. And I think the transfers of this movie, like, since the DVD have been really high quality. You can tell this movie has a much bigger budget. It just looks cleaner. It just looks like it looks like they have money to blow. And boy, do they take advantage of that money yeah. at later scenes. Um, whereas the original movie is completely bloodless, this one we get a much like bigger like <laughs> infusion of dollars into like blood effects. <laughs> Feel like the director like invested in red corn syrup. <laughs> And, and bought a shit ton using studio money. Well, the funny thing about that is you would probably think that it's a Rick Rosenthal thing. Like the the new director said, hey, let's make this more like the movies that are out. But the idea to make this more of a gory movie actually came from John Carpenter, who's still involved as a producer and the composer and writer on this movie. Well, I know he didn't want to come back to direct because he was kind of done. Like, he thought he told the story he needed to tell, and he was just like, Yeah, I don't want to do this. But the studio actually wooed him back, right? Yeah. And the only way he With would. money. You know, <laughs> everyone has a price. Well, we all learned that from Mr. Ted DiBiase. What I respect about John Carpenter is John Carpenter says, Hey, he, he straight up has said in Halloween documentaries, he goes, I'm a capitalist, <laughs> so he said the fact that I still get to get checks off every new Halloween movie because they use my theme and they're using the characters I created, he goes, it's a little bit of money for doing nothing. <laughs> he, Yeah, like he makes no bones about how he just wants his dirty, filthy blood money, and I actually kind of respect it as we too are now capitalists. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing too is like he has come back to the franchise now, so... Yeah. But I think back then, he was just really done. The studio eventually wooed him back, gave him some money. But he he was not a huge fan of of continuing the sequel. Like, he wanted it to be done. And originally, they wa- they wanted the the Strode-Meyer uh, story to kind of be done with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, that's probably something you'll get into in a little bit later. But... Well, think about it if you're John Carpenter. Like... You basically took this as like a you're a journeyman on this project. Mm-hmm. They said, "Here, this is what your movie's going to be: babysitters uh, getting killed by a you know a mass killer on Halloween." And he goes, "All right, yeah, I'll make that." And and he makes it in his style, and it becomes like the massive hit that it is. Mm-hmm. But at this time, in the early '80s, at this point, John Carpenter's ready to move on to Escape from New York, The Thing, oh, that's what the it Fog. Was. 
He like, wanted to do the fog, but the studio wouldn't let him do the fog unless he came back and helped with Halloween yep. 2. Now I remember. Yeah, so good. There you go. Like he's in it. It's his idea. It's still his brainchild, but he's he's a little bit more hands off on this film. Yeah. And he doesn't sell his stake in Halloween until Halloween four. So he is still he and Deborah Hill are very much involved in the monetary aspect of this. Yeah. So um, I think one thing that's really cool to talk about. I think and now that we're kind of trying to get back into the movie. Is I, you mentioned a lot about the actual place of Haddonfield in previous movies, and like Halloween Kills, and in, and how you compared the alleys a lot to kind of like those open Detroit city scapes that we see in uh, It Follows. And I was like, Angel's just fucking bur- talking out his butt. He's just <laughs> farting through his mouth. And then I saw this movie, and I'm like, Oh no, no, no! I can see what he's saying now. <laughs> I'm glad you can see it now because, yeah, you see that flashback scene in Halloween Kills and tell me you're not thinking about that opening scene where he's walking, like, through those halls. 100%. Like, through those, like, back alleys. And it's like, I think that plays more into those scenes we see in Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills where you get to see those long, like, tracking shots of Michael walking through the alleyways. Mm -hmm. And I think now after watching Halloween 2, I'm like, okay, now I get it. Now I know why it feels like... This sleepy town in Pasadena in Haddonfield like has that feel to it because it does feel like it's a small town that's very interconnected, and then the new setting also has the same very exact same feel to it. Right, and the new movie because they have the budget to create the sets, like they're able to really go back and and create a neighborhood and world that looks like Pasadena. Uh, this is really is the last time they're going to shoot uh, Haddonfield in Pasadena until the second half of Rob Zombie's Halloween. Really? So Shit, every sorry. other movie that goes on beyond this, it's like either been in Vancouver or um, Salt Lake City and stuff like that. Like they've shot in a lot of other places, but th- I think it's part of why a lot of the other movies in the franchise don't feel like you're in the same place as you do here. Um, as Michael's walking through the alley, you see that Loomis, <laughs> who had the opening scene where he's yelling at the neighbor that wouldn't open the door for Lori. I shot him six times! <laughs> and then they're like, who'd you shoot? I shot him! Shut up, you fool! <laughs> I thought he was going to shoot the neighbor. <laughs> or my favorite part where he tells him that he's been trick-or-treated to death, and Loomis <laughs> looks at him and says, you don't know what death is. And then the music plays and he goes to the credits. I would have loved for him to start just like pulling the trigger and it just it's just blank empty cylinders the entire time. <laughs> just go full in on crazy gun toting Loomis. Well, this is like the beginning of where you and I like last Halloween we did watch Halloween five. And by the time we reach Halloween five, Loomis is out of his goddamn mind, and this is like the introduction of crazy Loomis. <laughs> <laughs> it's the foreshadowing of what's to come. Um, after we get through the credits, we get the scene of Michael walking through the alleys, and then he happens to stumble upon where Loomis finds uh, Sheriff Brackett. Then they hop in the police car, and they're like looking through the neighborhoods to see where Michael is. And this is again, this is opening part feels so much like Halloween Kills that mm-hmm. I that's it's why. I, I'm sure you can imagine I like that aspect of that movie so much. 
Um, at the same time, we get a scene of the an ambulance pulling up to the uh, Doyle house, and everyone who was attacked there is like now being carried out. Well, Lori, Lori's basically well, the, being yeah, taken to the hospital. They're putting Lori in the in the uh, ambulance, in the ambulance, and she's me. That's where she gets introduced to one of the ambulance drivers. Who's the one that she has a uh, crush on? Jimmy. Good old Jimmy. Yeah. And it's funny because Jimmy, they never give him a last name in this. But I'll tell you as someone, you know, you're an outsider to this. But for those of us who, like, are obsessed with Halloween canon, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people have said that Jimmy's last name is Lloyd. And the reason why it's Lloyd is because by the time we get to Halloween 4 and 5, his he and Lori have Jamie Lloyd, the daughter, oh. who will now be stalked by Michael Myers. They never confirm that, but mm-hmm. I think it's just like one of those things that like fans like have always kind of thought was a given. Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess after surviving that, they would trauma right. bond and end up together. Well, and the big thing, too, because... Uh, my special edition comes with the TV cut of Halloween 2. And the TV cut is a completely different, like, it, it, it get, well, it's not completely different, but the ending is different. Uh, in the original theatrical cut, Lori is taken to another hospital in the ambulance by herself while Mr. Sandman plays in the background. Mm-hmm, Whereas mm-hmm. in the television cut, it actually ends with Lori being wheeled into the ambulance, and then behind her, something like sits up from uh, from a hospital bed with like a a, a sheet over its head, mm-hmm. and you you're like led to believe for a split second that it's Michael, and it's actually when the sheet comes down, it's Jimmy with like a bandage around his head, mm-hmm. and it ends with uh, Lori holding his hand and said, "We made it." Mm. So, especially if you, like, are someone that grew up on the TV cut like me, because that is, like, the initial cut I saw of this movie. Um, for some reason, like, AMC always had that that alternate cut. And, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people, besides me, <laughs> because we like that ending better, it also just changes the sequence of, of a lot of the things that happens and just uses alternate takes so it's not it's not super different. It's mm-hmm. just uh, the endings focus focus is different, and uh, it, it just like moves things around. So as Lori is taken to the hospital, Haddonfield Memorial, and as like the bodies of the victims from the previous movie get wheeled out, um, Michael ends up like stalking the streets where he ends up stealing a kitchen knife from an elderly couple who are watching. Uh, legal, not even legally distinct. They're actually watching Night of the Living Dead because it's public domain. Yep. And so, because it's public domain, I'm pretty sure we talked about it before. You'll yes. see all kinds of horror movies like pay homage to Night of the Living Dead and use it as kind of like their stock photo, fo- like stock footage to kind of yeah. have. Like we could legit, we could upload Night of the Living Dead and put it on our podcast page or something like that because it's just public domain it, it's mm-hmm. free to everyone it's wild how that works yeah. but anyway they're watching that movie then they get interrupted by a news report saying that Michael Myers is on the loose because yeah. <laughs> right away they all know his name and they all, all right away you know were able to get that to the news and you know cause a mass frenzy <laughs> you know the funny thing about this is looking at this through a modern lens it makes so much sense how this news gets through a small town so quickly and even in halloween kills like everyone gets alerts on their phone 
in this movie, I think it does stretch credibility a little bit that the news of Michael Myers like spreads this fast. Like, it's on the radio. It's on the TV. <laughs> like people know about it. Almost like you had to figure it literally just happened. So within 15 minutes of Michael getting shot by Doctor Loomis, like it's already on the news and on the airwaves. And yeah. I'm just like, come on, bro. <laughs> well, I like that too because again, it just taps into like a different like part of you know this is a part of halloween where like everyone should be at home in their beds and all that kind of stuff but yet like we're still following like all like the adults that are still up seeing people leave parties and stuff like that well, and this much is like the part of the like this is the part of the issue with halloween kills when you do it all on the same night it's like well how long is that night because yeah. you do see people leaving for parties to go to work and the thing is, I'm like, okay, cool. It could be late at night. It could be midnight. It could be already November 1st. I mean, but when I worked is, overnights in the hospital, I started at 11 p.m. So it's not hard to believe that, like, the Karen, the the nurse that goes to the hospital, is starting work, like, late after a party. But then the thing is, you still see kids and you still see a bustling, like, city. Yeah. And if this is supposed to be a sleepy small town Haddonfield, make it make sense, Angel. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I think it's just like... Yeah, this time, you're the one that's on trial. You explain yourself. (laughs) No, I'm not gonna. I know that this movie, like, it does stuff that doesn't make sense. Um, This movie also, the hospital is much bigger than a hospital that you would see in a supposed small town of Haddonfield. And the reason why it's so big is because it was like a... uh, It was a, a former, like big hospital in LA that I think is now like some sort of veterans clinic Mm. and um, so yeah it's an LA hospital and that's why it looks a lot bigger than it should for the town that it's servicing Um, I hate the logo for Haddonfield Memorial by the way it just looks weird it's well the funny thing is it looks like a rune it looks like a Celtic rune which plays into the whole like Halloween 3 and Sam Hain and the weird Celtic druids that later come in the series well and that logo like comes back in halloween kills like they use the same logo there hey now you're seeing these things (laughs) these things are all there um Um, yeah so there's a lot of like (laughs) there okay i just want to say this michael kills the random teenage girl for no reason yes fair and then he goes on to not murder anyone for the next like half hour yes there is 30 killless minutes in a slasher flick. <laughs> Which is the same thing that happens in Halloween Kills. Except, I think what I like about that movie better is that, like, it puts Michael Moore as, like, a killing machine that has its own sights on something to get to. Whereas this movie, he's specifically doing all of this on his way to Lori, and you just don't know why he wants to go back and chase her again. Yeah, um, and it's like he selectively will randomly go into berserker mode, where he'll just start murdering people, and then he's like, "Well, my bloodlust is sated. Time to go find Lori." Um. So while this is all happening, uh, you get introduced to the the very skeletal uh, hospital staff, which includes two EMT drivers, like three nurses. And one doctor who is clearly still drunk off his own ass from the holiday a, party <laughs> from a country club Halloween party, and uh, 
if you watch the TV cut like I did, you actually get more scenes of him. Like, there's one where he's questioning whether or not he should have given given Lori as much as high a dose of whatever puts her out as he should, and he's like <laughs> rubbing his face and his eyes are red. And, and oh my god, like I'm like, this is some severe medical malpractice. They got a case. Like, <laughs> if Michael Myers doesn't kill her, the morphine will. <laughs> and the other one is like, you get. Uh, the nurse that is supposed to be in the nursery, like where the kids are, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like you know, this, it, these things are gonna feel like foreign to people who have had kids now, like me, because they don't do this with babies anymore. When you like have a child, they will not take your child away from you. Mm-hmm. When your wife or partner or whoever, when the mother of the baby gives birth. Like that baby is with you now. Mm-hmm. They will. They no longer have any like uh, desire to separate them, and they leave them to bond. So, once it's there, it doesn't matter how tired you are. The baby is right there with you. Whereas, like in this, we still had like babies that were kept in like this <laughs> like nursery, and it's like three babies that are crying, and literally no one is there. <laughs> <laughs> no one loves you, baby. Sit your ass down. Oh my god, yeah, it's such a weird, like, there's absolutely nobody, and this movie jumps around a lot, you know, mm-hmm. it jumps around between trying to tell us what Michael's doing during this time, it's trying to tell us what Dr. Loomis and Sheriff Brackett is doing during this time, and then uh, what's going on in the hospital, so it's like, after we get introduced to our hospital, like, you know, we'll, would-be victims, mm-hmm. um, we get we go back to um, Loomis and Brackett, who are now... Essentially, you know, being a part of the manhunt for Michael Myers. So they're, you know, they're pacing the streets looking for people. Loomis just pointing his gun at random citizens, (laughs) telling people to go home. Until he finally runs into a really skinny and lanky kid dressed as, you know, in a Michael Myers costume. He's got the coveralls. He's got the same looking uh, mask. There's no reason why he would be wearing that costume. No reason But he is. So they ch- end up chasing the kid down, and as he like he he notes that they're trying to point at him and immediate like flag him down. Loomis immediately pulls his gun, to which Brackett tries to fight him, like fight the gun away from him. And as the kid crosses the street, apparently didn't check both ways, and immediately gets like plowed into by a police like cruiser, which crashes into a van, causing an explosion, like a fireball explosion. <laughs> <laughs> the kid immediately gets emulated and like burns alive like never once screaming and it never gets referenced ever again like there's one more scene where you're gonna see the dead body of this person but it's like yes the police literally murdered someone and the best part is the cop is like he just came out of nowhere it's like no asshole you came out of nowhere <laughs> You were literally driving 70 miles an hour, like, down a residential street. Were you looking to kill everyone? You find out that the kid's named uh, Ben Tramer, right? And the... I swear to Christ, my dark humor, like, is so terrible. But the only reason you find out the kid's name is because, like... The two friends were like, hey, Sheriff Brackett, our friend Ben Tramer hasn't gotten home from the party he left. He was super drunk. So Ben Tramer is the boy that, like, Annie was trying to set Lori up with in Halloween 1. Oh! 
<laughs> so everyone was cursed. <laughs> but fear not, because uh, you know, in this new continuity, he is no longer uh, <laughs> he is no longer dead because uh, Deputy Hawkins like makes note that Laurie en- ended up with him at some point. So you're led to believe in the new one that she probably ended up with Ben Tramer first, and, and then, then with Hawkins, Hawkins after. Yeah. <laughs> so Tramer might be. Um, what's her name? Karen's mom. Uh, Probably. Dad, huh? Yeah. But anyway, so it's like. <laughs> it was, but then, like, Ben is so... like. He's one of those weird characters where it's like everyone knows his name and they talk about him so much, but he's such a nothing character in the canon. You know Whereas in this movie, it's like straight up just like Jimmy the EMT and you're going to follow him, like, for the rest of the movie. You know what it reminds me of? Remember I Love You Man where everyone talks about how great Hank Mardukas is? Yeah. And you don't know who Hank Mardukas is until the <laughs> wedding and then you see him and he's just like a dad. Yeah. <laughs> just like an average looking old white guy. Both of my sons are my best friend. And Hank Mardukas. Oh, we need to watch that movie yeah. for the show one time. We're going to have to review that. Literally it's going to be two hours of us just quoting the movie. <laughs> Alright, so, um, yeah, when we get to the hospital, you know, we haven't talked a lot about Lori, and that's because Lori <laughs> isn't so much of an active character in this. No, just like in Halloween Kills, they just, <laughs> holy shit, this is almost a shot-for-shot remake of Halloween Kills. It's pretty similar, and I think, I, no the, wonder one you of the like criticisms, one of the criticisms that people have about Halloween Kills is, you're doing so much like that other movie, is it necessary? It's almost like how Force Awakens is literally a new hope. Yeah. Like, it's that same situation. Yep. Except... Or, like, even all the uh, similarities between something like Last Jedi and Empire. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? It's like... They're all all bad. Yeah. It's like... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, did you just admit Last Jedi is bad? (laughs) Finally, I feel vindicated. No, 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 you ambushed me, you ambushed me. I am never gonna slander <laughs> Last Jedi. I don't care who gets mad about it. I fucking, I fucking played your ass. <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> well, we, so we get the developing relationship between Jimmy and Lori, and then we also get introduced to the other staff members, like Bud, who's the other EMT, who's Bud. like a complete, like, scumbag pervert that like <laughs> smokes weed in the staff room and like wants to screw nurses my name is bud and i'm here to <laughs> like that's the kind of guy i feel he is yeah you might as well call him buck just so i can finish that line correctly yeah and then he even like we're talking about public domain he also sings a version of amazing grace as well Amazing Grace, come sit on my face. I was like, oh, cool. So he's like an actual scumbag. I love him. Whenever Bud isn't on screen, everyone should be like, hey, where's Bud? Well, what's really funny is that a lot of these like actors, do they seem like they actually like know each other? Not really. No? Okay, I don't think so. To me, they have. And the reason why is because apparently like... Rick Rosenthal had, like, he, like, they're all, like, colleagues that work together, like, on the acting circuit, like, some sort of acting circuit. Mm. So, they are people that, like, all, like, know him. Oh, 
So I guess that makes sense why they were so comfortable with each other. Yeah. I just and, thought they were decent actors. And even the like head nurse, uh, Mrs. Alves, like she was not the actress that like I think that 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 actress, uh, Gloria Gifford, I think is her name. Mm-hmm. She did uh, an interview once where she talked about how that role was not written for her. It was mm. written for like a she said like fifty something year old white woman, and uh, that <laughs> the reason why she ended up getting the role is because apparently like Rick Rosenthal said, eh, no, I think she I think she has what it takes to to do the role, mm-hmm. and people will take her Serious? you know seriously as the head nurse. But, yeah, you see that part. There's, like... And, you know, there's a lot of things that happen at this point. Like, Bud ends up hooking up with Grace and the... I guess the hydrotherapy where they end up in, like, this big (laughs) bucket. It's, like, a big shower kind of bucket for people that aren't able to uh, kind of wash themselves. So... And also to help with, like, you know, hydrotherapy and all that. Okay, if you have one of these things... Is there any reason why this would have, like, a scalding setting on it? (laughs) It's so stupid. (laughs) Like, if it's meant for people that can't physically get out of the tub if it gets too hot, why is there a setting that could possibly kill them? Like, that was (laughs) stupid. I, you know what I'm discovering watching this is that even though it is my favorite Halloween sequel for like nostalgic reasons, this on this watch, this movie is kind of proving to be the stupidest one. <laughs> no, it's just it not necessary. Like mm-hmm. I mean, if we compare it to something that's similar enough, like Halloween Kills, at least Halloween Kills had all the middle subtext stuff with everyone trying to attack that other inmate stuff like that. Even if it's stupid, like some of it is kind of dumb, like pretty dumb. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like at least it has something else to occupy that time with. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, it kind of goes back and forth between the hospital. It goes back to Loomis, and somehow they end up at an elementary school because Michael wrote something on the chalkboard. There's a it's- lot of random <laughs> happenstance that takes place for the in between Michael getting to you know getting out of the house and then getting to the hospital. Yeah. Like, you know, we see the part, like, there's the part where Brackett finds out Annie died in the in the attack. Um, and we don't really get much of a reaction there from him. Like, the Brackett in Rob Zombie gave us more when yes. Annie died than this Brackett did. Yeah. And if we're talking about purely the acting part of it, I think Rob Zombie's Brackett is best Brackett. Because it is Brad Dourif, like an actual, yeah. like... Actor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll say what you want about Rob Zombie. He did manage to get some really good, like, good talent. Like, he got Malcolm McDowell and he got, like, Brad mm-hmm. Garrett. Yeah. <laughs> Not Brad Dern. Brad Garrett is the brother <laughs> from Everybody Loves Raymond. <laughs> oh, I thought you were getting him confused with Garrett, who's apparently the useless security guard in this hospital. Yeah, oh no, he is fucking useless. He <laughs> is That absolute. super is not looking at the cameras, he unlocks the door, and for some reason, the button that buzzes you in through the front door also opens, simultaneously opens every other door in the building at the same time. <laughs> he just looks like a bumble butt. Like, he just <laughs> looks like the kind of guy... He, as I like to say, kind of when I make fun of Andy Reid, 
He looks like the kind of guy that looks at a plate of donuts in the break room and wiggles his fingers and says, don't mind if I do. (laughs) Before he takes like three, you know, like. But everyone loves him because he just tells the most jovial stories. Yeah. But uh, he gets it from my Michael by way of fork hammer or claw hammer (laughs) fucking head. Like, I was like, good, he's fucking useless. Yeah, you get the cat out of the dumpster jump scare, and then Mm. you get the Michael drops a literal hammer on his head. I do like the way they set up the Michael jump scare, because it's like, as he's going through the doors, he he super telegraphs it, because he opens the door, covers the view, and you just assume Michael's going to be there. And you get faked out for the first one. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, they're not going to do it twice. And they totally do do it twice. And then Michael murders him. And I was like, okay, that was it's a cool. It's a straight up like uh, callback to the scene in the first one where Bob goes downstairs after having sex in the <laughs> Wallace house. And then he's like opening the doors, like saying, oh, come out here, come out here. Yeah. I see where you are. And then Michael just like blasts out of the one room and mm-hmm. <laughs> puts him up and... and Stabs him to the wall yeah. with the knife. Uh, so I think it's kind of something like that. And I think this movie does a lot of like references to that. There's a scene later where you'll see Michael come out of the shadow in one of the in the doctor's office, like the same way that he comes out of the one broom uh, in the original movie to stab Laurie on the arm. So. Yeah, so it's like, so yeah, Michael ends up killing Bud. Here he kills Garrett, and then he goes on to kill Bud, and then kills Grace. He like just chokes Bud to death, and then he bur- he drowns and burns Grace simultaneously in the scalding hot water. Yeah, and then later he ends up killing um, Nurse. What was her name? Al- Alves. Yeah, Nurse Alves off screen. Oh yeah, where she ends up. He runs like I forget what they're called. I think I mean I'm sure there's healthcare professionals that will correct me, but I think it's like a pick line. Mm-hmm. Pretty much like where they, so they can inject you with shit. Yeah. Um, he runs that through her vein, but ends up like strapping her in and runs that and ends, ends up draining her of all her blood <laughs> and she bleeds <laughs> out that way, which I don't know enough about medical practice to say that's real. <laughs> like that that's a thing. I don't think she would bleed out that fast, but... Uh, you know, we end up finding out that happened off screen because Jimmy's looking for all the nurses because suddenly they went from like six people in the hospital to like two. Yeah. So as he goes looking for her, he ends up slipping in her blood and busting his head open on the on the floor, giving himself a concussion. And a ton of this movie is just back and forth where Jimmy just keeps walking into the room that Lori's in, explaining to her like who it was that actually attacked her because she doesn't know at first. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that's when she's like starts saying, No, 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 it's 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 there's one scene in the T V cut where he like talks about how he's dead and she starts saying he's not dead he's not dead she starts like freaking out Mm -hmm. and then they have to come in and like dose her again (laughs) the drunk doctor comes in i got this and just fucking throws a bottle of whiskey at her (laughs) down this bottle of jack daniels and bite the pill bite the pill drink this jack daniels does a line of cocaine i'm away Being an old-timey doctor is great. It's like 1994. Um, when she finds out it's Michael Myers, she knows it's the kid who killed his sister in the Myers house, but she doesn't know why he's following her. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, in one of these like drug-infused hazes that she's in, <laughs> she ends up having like a flashback to her visiting 
Michael in an institution when she was a young girl. And literal flashback of a scene where she's talking to her mother, her, her uh, I guess, like, uh, foster mother, you know, uh, Mrs. Strode. And she literally tells her, I'm not your mother. <laughs> Get fucked, kid. <laughs> she legit said, fuck them kids. <laughs> It's uh, now that you think about it, the weird age gap between the oldest sister and then Michael and Lori is super huge. Yeah, but it, yeah, it's so bizarre that she had conveniently repressed this memory all of a sudden. And of course, the reason for this, uh, as John Carpenter has said many times, is he was writing the script for this movie. One very late night, I think he said he was drinking a six pack of Budweiser, and uh, in his, you're in, telling me me and one of my most favorite directors have a lot in common, and I love it. And apparently, like in his like drunken thoughts, he said, you know, what should I do to make it the reason that he's chasing after her? And that's when he says, well, I guess I'll make him her sister. <laughs> that make makes her sense. Sister. He just looks at the beer and he's like, good job, Johnny Boy, he did it again. <laughs> High fives the beer and drinks it. <laughs> uh, oh my god, so there's there's some, and that's the, we haven't even talked about the weird Sam Haynes scene. Yeah. Where they go back to the, the, you alluded to it earlier when they go back to the elementary school and for some reason, Michael wrote the word Sam Haynes in blood. <laughs> And apparently it's pronounced Samhain. It's just spelled that way. So they're... Yeah, thank for some you. reason, Donald Pleasance is mispronouncing it. Thank you, Paige, from the Horror Virgin <laughs> for telling us that. Because well, that and, like, just... Yeah, a- a- anywhere anywhere else that you've heard it, apparently, Look, it's like it, it is pronounced differently. Listen here, pagans. We don't know much about your religion, so we apologize right from the beginning. <laughs> but And it's going to take me a while not to say Sam Hain, because the thing is, in pop culture, it's always referred to as Sam Hain. And right. So we'll do our best to say Stupid Sour. Americans. Yeah, we are stupid Americans. <laughs> but And I'm going to try my, my best to say Samhain. But everywhere from Ghostbusters Extreme to Supernatural has used a character named Sam Hain. Ghostbusters Extreme that, is a deep pull. That is, a, that is right. <laughs> I did my research, motherfucker. <laughs> Um, Yeah, so the scenes that we get with Loomis, it's like... What I do like about this is that once Sheriff Brackett does see, unfortunately, he has to ID his dead daughter. Yeah, that's her, alright. He does exit the movie um, before threatening Donald Pleasance on his way out. (laughs) But then what I do like is that the rest of the movie, it's, uh, you know, Dr. Loomis with the deputy, um, you know... Deputy Hunt, I think is his name. Are you talking about the state trooper? Yeah. And I, I like this guy. It's like, at least he, like, you know, kind of listens to Loomis, whereas I feel like his relationship with <laughs> with Brackett is just like Brackett shit-talking him the whole time, going, you know, doctor, you're over This here. is all your fault. If you want to drown him when he was six. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's kind of his mentality. If he didn't go back in time and shoot him in his crib, we wouldn't have this problem. You're telling me you didn't kill Michael Myers and Hitler? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, so... 
Yeah, so it's like, then, yeah, you're right. It was Gary Hunt. He starts walking around with uh, Loomis, and they're taking, he's taking him all over the place, and he ends up, Loomis ends up uh, meeting up with his old nurse from, um, I forget what the name of the institution they work at is. Yeah, but Smith's Grove. Smith's Grove, and she ends up finding another file that confirms uh, Lori's vision that actually proves that she is uh, Michael Myers' sister. Right. And And this is the return of uh, Marion, who, you know, is the character that we also see in Halloween Kills as part of that survivor group. Uh, but you know, for the those... random survivor group that where they have no reason to know each other. <laughs> but yes, this is this is where like the only time in the series that she actually visits Haddonfield. <laughs> yeah, you're right, and it's funny because you pointed out when we were talking about it that if this movie is no longer canon, it makes even less sense for her to be a part of that group. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. But so she ends up giving him the file, but at this point, the governor himself. <laughs> Has sent like U.S. marshals to collect Loomis because he's butt fucked this situation in so real hard. time. In real time, the governor has apparently gone back to work and put this into effect like at one a.m. <laughs> on November first. At this point, because it's the middle of the night, they say like the attorney general found out and he's been talking to the uh... no no no. It was like the board, like the yeah. board of health found out. And so they send a marshal to, um, what's it called, to escort him back home. And as they're driving, Loomis pulls his gun on the guy while they're driving. And helps him to turn around and get him to Haddonfield Memorial. And he's like, oh, do I need to, what do you call it, a warning shot? And as the guy drives, he blows out the window by shooting it. Shoots a gun off at a U.S. Marshal. <laughs> my favorite part is the Marshal hella calmly goes, man, you're just finding other ways to get in trouble. And he goes, die right the hospital. And he goes, do I really have a choice? Yeah. <laughs> and this guy is actually probably the most level-headed of the group. And he ends up hitting, the, you know, flipping the bitch and they head back to Haddonfield Memorial. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, everyone's getting killed. <laughs> Yeah, and then at this point, too, like, Michael fully embraces his new setting because this movie, he drops the kitchen knife in favor of a scalpel. Oh, it's so (laughs) stupid. He ends up, like, killing the doctor by shoving a syringe in his face. Yep. He ends up killing one of the nurses by, like, injecting her with an empty syringe in the eyeball, which I guess caused an embolism. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know enough about medical science to say whether that's a realistic way to kill somebody. Yeah, I'm not a doctor like apparently Michael Myers is. <laughs> You're telling me the 21-year-old psychopath knows enough about medicine they can kill people with empty syringes? <laughs> oh, the kid that's been in a locked room for, like, 50 15 years well, who knows how to drive yeah. and knows very complicated medical procedures he's a fully functioning insane adult <laughs> <laughs> and so he after that he ends up oh we see uh we see Lori finally get out of bed still woozy um, Michael thinks he has her and ends up trying to stab at her with the scalpel but this is where we see that he um, or Lori set up the pillows to make it he look was like she was there. Pretty much. And Lori is still woozy from all the drugs that she almost OD'd on thanks to the drunk doctor. 
And she meets up with the when she meets up with the nurse who starts walking over towards Lori to help her. And this is stupid because she walks by a very open hallway. Michael comes out from the behind the hallway around the corner, stabs with the scalpel lifts her using the scalpel and her like clog shoes fall on the floor to tell to let you know she died just in case you didn't know yes and i have okay the scalp using the scalpel to lift the body that's stupid but what really pisses me off because it happens like three or four times in this movie no one has any sort of peripheral vision to see michael coming because he is always in the peripheral. Like, and it's not even that he's trying to hide. There are times where he's just very openly in someone's periphery. But no one ever sees him. But wouldn't wouldn't it make sense that, alright, this is the first time that he's ever attacked anyone. No one thinks that someone would be, like, right there with them. And he really is stealthy in this. Like, I feel like the first two Halloween movies are the only movies that make him this quiet, like, much of, like, a silent stalker that could go in and out of someone's house undetected. I'll give you that, but there is some where he's in open areas, very <laughs> open hallways where people can... Very, you pass by hallways. You always... I instinctively check hallways, but that's just me because I'm a fucking, you know, nervous wreck. You know what's, and I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I swear to you, when I worked at Children's Hospital of Oakland, like, the hallways of that hospital, at least back when I worked there, like, look exactly like the hallways of this hospital. I mean, how old is Children's <laughs> Hospital? It's an older hospital, right? The building, yeah. Like, they, they give it new paint, and they, like, remodeled, like, certain areas of it and stuff like that. But if you go up to those higher, like, levels where the surgery wings and stuff, like, are... It still looks like the 70s and 80s? It is, yeah. It's It's got a much more retro... Because, <laughs> yeah, when I worked there... And I watched Halloween 2 while I was working there. fucking psychopath. (laughs) And the best part was to, like... Okay, so when I would get to work, I would have to go, um, you know, collect the computer. Because I worked out of the cafeteria. Because by by overnight, like, the only places that were really open was, like, the cafeteria for people who are waiting, you know, Mm -hmm. for, for loved ones. And then, like, the bottom floor, which is reception and all that kind of stuff. So I would have to work out at the cafeteria, but I'd have to go collect my workstation from the IT department, which is in the other building. And because you can't you can't leave the building with IT equipment to get to the, you know, to the basement of building one where uh, the IT department was, I would have to go up to the third or fourth floor, which is like this empty like surgery wing, mm-hmm. and then walk across the overpass, yeah. and then take the elevator all the way to the basement, collect mm-hmm. the machine from the basement at like midnight, come back up, and then go work. <laughs> and yeah, it's that's creepy. I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised I wasn't any more scared. Like because for, I mean, maybe I was just like tired and I didn't care. <laughs> you know, the insomnia actually. But in retrospect, it was pretty creepy. Fuck, that's wild. Um, yeah. So the I do what I do like. I love this chase between Michael and Lori. The chase makes up for all the stupid shit. <laughs> I think this chase is better than the Michael and Lori scenes from the first one. 
because it just it, it's a new space and it really is like her like going a much further distance mm-hmm. while being injured and uh i think this is better than yeah and any chase of laurie and michael that i've seen in other movies in in halloween 2018 they try to make it more like she's expecting him so she's gonna attack him but this is still first night you know that this has ever happened so laurie is still trying to escape him with her life i feel like the scene from halloween 2018 is different because it is more it's less count and mouse and more Mm -hmm. hunter 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 you know like hunters hunting hunter sort of thing yeah more like you know laurie trying to hunt like a wolf or an equally like formidable like you know animal yeah there are two wolves fighting each other. <laughs> but, um, yeah, after she's able to escape, uh, Lori ends up, like, completely out of it, hiding in what happens to be Jimmy's car. Yeah. And as Jimmy tries to, like, start the car and tells her everything's going to be all right. The man is fully concussed because <laughs> yeah. he slipped on Mrs. Alves' blood and, like, smacked his head. <laughs> Part is like, don't worry, baby, I'll save you. And then he immediately knocks out and falls on the horn. <laughs> just alerting everyone to where they are. So the difference between the TV cut and the theatrical cut is in the TV cut, this doesn't happen. Mm. Lori's in the car by her. She doesn't even get into the car. She's in the uh, parking lot, and then that's when Loomis and, and Marion arrive. And... Um, Jimmy slips on the blood as the hospital explodes in the end. Oh, so okay. I, I have a feeling that the Jimmy stuff, what we see in the TV cut, is what was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And in the theatrical cut, I don't know if like Carpenter like just wanted to make changes like to you know the movie and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. it just ends up being like pretty different. So we don't get that that bit of it, but. I love the scene, like, Lori ends up getting out of the car and tries to crawl away because she knows Michael's coming. And just as she's, like, trying to crawl, she's, like, tired out of it and trying to scream for help. And then Loomis and, um, it was, like, it was Loomis, um, what's her name again? Uh, Marion? Marion and, uh, the, the Marshal end up, like, rolling up right as she's trying to beg for help. Mm-hmm. And they just go inside the hospital. And at that point is when she finally screams. Right. <laughs> and she, like, wills herself back up and, like, makes her way over to the... Uh, that's when she's able to make her way into the hospital and meet up with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where, like, Michael chases her in. And he and she ends up telling Loomis. And Loomis unloads another six rounds into... What I like about this is that we finally get, like, Laurie back with Loomis. Because mm-hmm. it's like, he, like, briefly, like, says one thing to her after shooting Michael. And then they don't see each other again. And I also like the fact that Loomis apologizes for leaving her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, that's, that's pretty nice of him to do. Because I'm pretty sure Laurie, like, felt completely hopeless until the moment that she sees him. And then here comes this therapist with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> the Dr. Loomis School of Psychology. <laughs> it's back in session, motherfucker. <laughs> so he ends up loading the entire gun into him again. And then as, like, the body lays out, or it lay, you know, is on the floor, he's, uh, Loomis sends Marion to go call the police, and she, like, tiptoes around the body. 
And the deputy, or I'm sorry, the marshal is just like fucking around with it because he's like, he's dead. He's not going to mm-hmm. do anything. And Loomis keeps telling him, like, look at him. He might be still alive. And then finally, um, Michael springs back up and murders the guy with the scalpel, just like slitting his throat, which leads to another chase through the hospital where uh lumen or i'm sorry where Lori ends up hiding in like this patient room with it's like, a surgery room. it's surgery yeah. right okay mm-hmm. so she ends up hiding in like a surgery room with a bunch of like ether and oxygen tanks yeah. <laughs> literally they should all be passing out they should <laughs> that was hilarious like all that ether i'm like how are you guys still up this scene fucking rocks because this scene michael like plows through a literal fucking door and as he gets closer to Lori and she actually points Loomis's gun at him she shoots him twice and both shots are directly into his eyes that's right <laughs> and you so get the blinded. awesome scene of him like crying blood like basically granted and then- as he's like covering his face, he's swinging the scalpel, and you hear the whoosh sound effects. I fucking hated the whoosh sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so, it's so stupid. He gets shot in the eyes, and he's still alive. But then, for, I was okay with it. Like I was still on board. But once I hear the, yeah. I was like, I fucking hate this movie. <laughs> It's like as he swings at her, that's where um, Loomis like catches up and he gets the idea. He starts opening the oxygen tanks and the hiss of the noise uh, draws Michael over towards him. Mm. Lori picking up on that does the same thing, opening a bunch of ether. So essentially they open like six tanks of flammable like gases. Yeah. <laughs> and as she makes her way over to Loomis, Loomis ends up telling her like, don't worry, like to go that he'll take care of this. And she ends up running out, uh, or she starts running out of the hospital. Loomis pulls out the lighter given to him by, I think, Brackett earlier in the movie when they mm-hmm. were trying to share a cigarette. And I forgot what he says to end it. Oh, he said, it's time, Michael. That's right. Yeah. And then that he flicks it open, or he flicks it on and ignites all the gas, exploding the entire room. <laughs> he is lucky his little plan didn't spread the fire into other parts of the hospital where people literally you know, were. The babies <laughs> was taking care of the babies during this time. Because everyone's dead. Yeah. Like Which then makes you wonder, there's gotta be mothers in this hospital as well. <laughs> so as, yeah, they end up exploding essentially like the bottom floor, and as Lori like watches the kind of room burn, you see Michael still walk completely engulfed in flames, and as he gets closer to Lori, he ends up succumbing to the fire, falling over, and essentially leaving you to believe he's dead. So the next morning. Um, you know, we get Lori being loaded into another ambulance, traumatized but still alive, along with. Actually, no, I don't think they do anything with Jimmy in the end of the theatrical cut. No, not in the theatrical cut. She gets loaded into the ambulance, and. Uh, That's where Mr. Sandman plays as yeah. they drive away. For the That's second what... time, because it opens with Mr. Sandman also. And this is the movie that introduces that. So by the time you get to, like, Halloween H2O or every other movie in the franchise that, that makes a Mr. Sandman reference, it's a direct Halloween 2 reference. Mr. Sandman play... It's been coming up a lot for me lately. It came up in this movie, and then there's the TikTok of the girl that... Or the two girls singing Mr. Sandman, but then when <laughs> it goes doing, 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 it's the girl jumping and making her butt cheeks go <laughs> All right. 
<laughs> oh, do you think that was going somewhere? No, I'm just telling you what I saw. Like, I'm just talking about filthy things that I watch on the internet. It's on TikTok. <laughs> I'll have you know. <laughs> if it's okay for TikTok, it's okay for our show. <laughs> um, and yeah, roll credits and that's the movie. So, alright. That Javi. is Halloween 2. Javi, yes. do you like Halloween 2? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fun, stupid. And it's a movie that I'm going to watch once every long time it's not a movie i'm gonna go back to too often oh so you're not gonna watch it once a year like i do no i don't <laughs> find myself doing that i might do it when i need something like stupid and mindless but it's just like you were saying it's one of those things like the more you think about it the more unnecessary it becomes and unfortunately there's just a lot of dumb shit that goes on in this movie that just kind of like you're you're just like more, you just leaves you asking more questions and it, but don't get me wrong, without this movie, you don't get H2O. Mm-hmm. And H2O was fantastic, you know. And I know you're actually a fan of Curse and Return of Michael Myers. Probably more of a fan of Curse than you are of Return, huh? Well, I've watched them. I, you know, they, they are the less... They're, like, I, I'm less interested in them than the others. But, you know, but I am into the franchise in general. I mean, without this, we're definitely not getting Resurrections. So. <laughs> yeah. so it's one of those movies that's like, it does a lot to establish the lore. And you don't really think about it. Like, it's one of those things where it's like almost common knowledge that Laurie Strode is Michael Myers' sister. Yeah. But you don't realize that that was originally not the plan. And then when you watch this movie, you're like, oh, this is the movie that any modern day Michael Myers lore you think you know can't trace is because of this movie. So, the shocking part about this for me is I came into this episode thinking that I was going to love this movie. But I think because, A, we're watching this like just a couple weeks after we watch Halloween Kills. And the fact that that movie does go into, I'm not going to say super deep, but it goes into deeper territory than this does. And I also think, like, I'm just shocked at how not that good I'm finding it watching it for this episode. Mm -hmm. And it's so weird. This is almost like the anti-Dark Knight. Because I went into that episode thinking I wasn't going to, like, I was like, okay, I think of Dark Knight very fondly because of my nostalgia for it. I saw it when it came out. I thought it was great. And I feel like I'm not going to like it when I do it for the show end up doing it for the show and i'm like no this is fantastic it's to me i love it just as much as when i first saw it this one nostalgia you know i love it i watched it growing up and all that kind of stuff and i think because i'm watching it so close to the other one i thought this was going to be like the grand finale that i was going to love coming into the halloween holiday and yeah, shockingly enough, as much as I probably will watch it again every year because I am a fan of this franchise, mm-hmm. I'm surprised how, even though I like it and I will continue to like it, I don't think I could recommend it to anybody watching this show. <laughs> I think we need to add a new category called Just For Me. Yeah, <laughs> And those are movies that are literally just for you and me and you know no one's going to like. Like, uh, yeah, like I'm... Willy's Wonderland with Nick Cage, I would never recommend it to anyone because that is strictly <laughs> a stupid hobby movie. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm very shocked at how, like, just not as interested in this. 
uh, I am as much as I thought. Like, I just thought I was going to come out of this with a much better feeling about it, and I more... I, did you turn on this movie halfway through the way I did Godzilla and King Kong? I think so. <laughs> I think during this podcast, I probably realized how unnecessary it is. And now the stories about, you know, John Carpenter talking about, oh, you know... drinking the beer and I had to make up something else for the movie it feels like that now like I feel it it feels like a movie that has no reason to exist Mm -hmm. and probably just the atmosphere is the only thing I I like about this and miss it (laughs) nothing tells me that this is written on a fucking six pack of Budweiser more than anything involving Ben (laughs) Schramer so yeah there we go this is this is the last movie in our Halloween season and uh, we're not going to announce what we're doing uh, for the next episode yet. But we hope that you guys enjoy the holidays with your families. Uh, please be safe because COVID is still happening. Mm-hmm. Thank you for continuing to follow the show. Please continue to interact with us on social media. Uh, leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. Please do what you can to get the word of the podcast out so that or we podcast, can continue. Or a podcast platform. As we learn, Podbean's actually putting us on a bunch of them. Yeah. So if you find yourself on Google Play, Amazon Music, anything you listen to podcasts on, yeah, please leave us a review, drop a review, help the visibility. Uh, also, because of how busy that we've been uh, this month, we really are going to take a one-week hiatus. Uh, after Halloween, and then we'll come back, you know, the second week of November, ready to roll on our next movie. So, uh, yeah, we're hoping that this double output of episodes can hold you over until we come back, and we appreciate you guys for continuing to follow us. Yes, thank you again. You're making two nerds' dreams come true. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us for this episode, and we'll talk to you next time. All right, later, y'all.